Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it is beautiful. If you find you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red tell me more button, and start creating your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. Today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash speaking of partnership. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Get yours today. I'm excited to bring you today's featured guests, Scott and Emily McKay. Scott, Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Thank you. I enjoy being here. Yeah, it's great to have you. And, And for anyone listening maybe isn't familiar with Scott and Emily, let me give you a little background. So Scott and Emily McKay are actually professional dating and relationship coaches. They're authors and podcast hosts. Now, together they founded X and Y Communications in San Antonio, Texas. And they focus on equipping and empowering men and women to go from good to great in their relationships. They actually reach over 300,000 people all over the world through their newsletters, podcasts, and social media. They're the authors of 10 books between them, and they've been featured on over 400 media outlets worldwide. Now, Scott's also a four-time Amazon number one best-selling author and the host of the top 10 ranked podcast on iTunes, The Chick Whisperer. They're both Travelers Century Club members. They've traveled all over the world, often with their four children. They even have a travel blog and podcast. Now, at the end of the show, I'll make sure you know all the different ways that you can contact them, subscribe to their popular newsletter and podcasts, all for free. Scott, Emily, take a minute. Let me know if we missed anything in that intro, and and give us a little glimpse into your personal life, if you would. Well, it all sounds like uh, you pretty much got it. The one uh, caveat there is we just renamed the Chick Whisperer podcast this week to The Mountaintop. So if you go iTunes looking for that, definitely look under Mountaintop, not Chick Whisperer, because we're... uh, Reaching out to more than just single guys nowadays, it's now a show for all men, regardless. Nice. So that was what the catalyst was for that change. Pretty much. That and whispering is sort of 2005. It's a nine-year-old show. (laughs) Moving onward. Nice. Got to stay current, right? Right, exactly. Excellent. Well, as you know, our focus on the show here is about about partnership, and, and it's so great to have an actual couple with us. We do that every once in a while, and it's great to get your insights as a couple. So I'm wondering, what do you guys consider, maybe you each have your own, what I call a guiding principle, and maybe it's a quote, maybe it's a mantra, but something that, that kind of keeps you on track, or more, more than that, actually brings you back on track when you get off in the weeds a little bit regarding your partnership. What would that be for you? Well, I mean, there's the there's a uh, tagline that we have that surrounds everything we do that's called deserve what you want. Mm-hmm. And it's actually our domain, deservewhatyouwant.com. And that means in the relationship realm, in order to attract the kind of partner you want, you first have to be that partner that the other person is going to be attracted to. And I think, to be honest with you, we we do that in our business, too. Yes, we do. And in our personal life. Yeah, most definitely. Because when we first started the dating coaching biz back in 2005, 
I decided that in order to build the connections I needed to build and the partnerships with my peers, I needed to give before I thought about getting. And that meant, okay, how can I have you on my show? How can I feature your contents in my growing mailing list? And that really was very instrumental. It was remarkably refreshing. And I, I of course, didn't know that at the time that it was refreshing. But 10 years later, I still get a couple dozen emails a week. Hey, can you mail my stuff? You know, can you feature me on your show? Can you do something for me, me, me? And it really is rare for people to think in terms of giving rather than getting. So I think that really has been a principle that's not only motivated us but helped us grow. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, – excuse me, dealing with allergies here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yes, it's one thing that has helped us grow because when you're trying to help somebody grow their business and everybody is in it together to help each other – you're creating this star power for everybody, and it really works not just for yourself, but when everybody benefits, you benefit. Yeah, no, I, I love that you guys kind of have taken this and put it throughout your entire life, not just in one area, because obviously it overlaps all those areas. Yes, it absolutely most certainly does. And one of the things I think is really interesting about having been in the relationship field uh, for so many years is it keeps us on our toes with our own relationship. You know, we are teaching other people social skill and social dynamics and how to get along better with everyone. So that's helped us grow in that regard and in our marriage too. <laughs> yes. You know, we're talking about it and uh, in our daily life, we can always remind each other, hey, didn't you say this or that the other day? <laughs> well, that doesn't happen that often. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of it happens by osmosis as we are so immersed in writing and talking and podcasting and doing shows like this, uh, we're always reminding ourselves. It's almost like one big affirmation and we don't even have to stand in front of a mirror. We just do our job. Yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting point. It's, it's definitely full immersion when you're doing this as your business as well as your life. Yeah, most definitely. And, uh, you know, it's not even something that we plan for, but it's something that looking back we can see how that is definitely – you know, I'm sure it's helped us with our marriage, although we've always kind of gotten along. Our partnership, by the way, together, a lot of times we get asked on, on uh, different kinds of media, how can you two work around each other all day long without <laughs> taking a break? It's easy. We like each other. Yeah, we actually like each other. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it helps. I mean, if she's gone for like three or four hours, I'm sort of like missing her already. So uh, I like coming home to that. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'll bet. This nice, wonderful hug. And more. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 a good point, and we kind of miss that sometimes. It's like, well, wh why don't we start with liking each other? Then we'll want to spend time around each other. Excellent. What I'd love to have you share is a, a story of a time when you had, I call it a duh moment, one of those times where, oh my gosh, I can't believe I've been missing this all along. And what did it open you up to when you had that kind of wake-up moment in a partnership, whether it was business or you know, romantic, family, whatever it was, what did that create as far as a building block for your future partnerships? Well, I have to tell you, the first two years that I was attempting to be a dating coach and figuring out that I had to do this on a global internet scale, every day for two years solid, Ken, I had a duh moment in terms of learning <laughs> something about internet marketing. Yeah. I mean, uh, eight months into it, I figured out what an autoresponder service was. I mean, I was literally cutting and pasting all my emails to everybody every day. Um, Probably six or eight months, someone, you know, I, I had my first book, Deserve What You Want. 
And at the end, it said, hey, if you refer somebody to my book, let me know and I'll, you know, send you $5. And someone said, have you ever heard the words affiliate marketing before? And I was like, why no? What's that? And they're like, oh, I'm about to change your life. And they sure did. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so that's what those links are at the end of. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for two years, solid. But I think in terms of Emily and I and our relationship, it was world travel. Absolutely. We were doing this traveling and we looked at each other going, you know, we should be doing something with this because it really is a part of our lives and the business that we've built has made this possible and it should really go hand in hand. And that's when we realized we should have been doing this all along and that's what we did. Right. I mean, we went somewhere nice on our honeymoon and then for two years we decided we were going to have a kid and of course, of course, we're thinking to ourselves, now that we've had a child, we're homebound. Right. Yeah. Mm. So never mind the fact that we work for ourselves, we work from home, we're not a slave to an alarm clock, we're location independent. We finally realized, you know, we could take Junior with us. It wouldn't be the end of the world. And so we started doing that in around 2009. We have been traveling probably three months a year since, and we now homeschool both of our children. You got a little sister at some point there. We'll save you the details, you know. That's the short (laughs) version. And we've been traveling three months a year since then, and we take our kids and we do what's called world schooling. So we homeschool them, and, you know, the world is one big field trip. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, did, did I read correctly on your website? You guys have been to over 100 countries? That's correct. Wow, that's some serious traveling. Yeah, most all of them, all of them for Emily since we've been married, except for Mexico and, and the United States. Yeah, and most of them after we've had children. Yeah, most of them since 2009, the vast majority. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because that, that kind of epiphany of what, well, maybe we can take the kids too. Because so many people come up with these ideas just like you were saying you know you're thinking well we got kids we're homebound or it could be anything where we've decided that's a limitation on our world and instead you went well why don't we see what happens let's go (laughs) and it worked out and yeah it's different than if you don't have them with you but it also creates this more enhanced and different experience that now has turned into like you said a, a great big field trip yeah, I think there's this big lie out there, or at least a misconception, that you have to go backpacking in your early 20s and cross all your bucket list items off either before you get married or sometime after you're retired. Mm-hmm. And Emily and I have had more adventures and more fun and gone more places since we've been married and had children than we ever did before we knew each other. Yeah, and it's wonderful not just to see how exciting it is to see things, but to see it through their eyes. It's a whole different world from an adult's viewpoint and a child's viewpoint yeah yeah no it definitely has to be a huge huge enhancement to the whole experience absolutely nice well you know we have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old and they understand culture they understand that they can't believe everything just because they heard it on the news Mm -hmm. they're colorblind children Mm -hmm. you know they don't fear anybody because they're different they'll try all the food they'll Try all the adventures. Um, they understand what real poverty looks like, and they're humbled by that. And, and they're very grateful kids for their age, at least until they've been home for a little while. And they start <laughs> you know, being selectively forgetful about that like most other Western <laughs> kids. So, you know, but their experiences and what they've done and where they've been and what they've tried are, are at age four and eight more diverse and, and broad than – what I would dare say most people will get in their entire lives. And that's just incredibly gratifying as parents to be able to do that for our children. 
Yeah, no, it's it's tremendous. Well, I want to ask you about, I, I call it a proud moment of partnership. And what I mean by that is a time when you think back on some partnership in your life, no matter what it was, family, romantic, you name it. And when you think of that moment, you can't help but smile. What's one of those for you? Do you have one from when before you met me that you can share? From before I met you? Yeah. Well, I got lots of them from the time I met you onward. <laughs> well, I, I'm asking because I want to share one from before I met you. Okay, you go for it. Because it fulfilled a bucket list item hmm. from when I was nine years old. Wow. And when I was a kid, I'm, I'm a child of the early 80s, and I all I wanted to do was be a BMX racer. Oh, yeah. Back when Greg Hill and Stump and Stu were all the rage. And I got my bike and I pieced, cobbled together all the parts. And I lived in Maryland. So, of course, everything cool was happening in California back in the early 80s. And I, I said, man, those guys who ride for the factory BMX teams are so cool. If one day I could just – I know it's crazy. But if I could – first of all, I wanted to turn expert. And then I wanted to ride for a factory BMX team. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I, I grew up and I started racing things with motors instead. And, you know, once I became a dad, I didn't want to be a jerk at my own funeral, if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. for being that selfish and racing things I could get killed doing. And so someone very wise said to me, hey, what about that thing with the bicycles you did when you were a kid? And I said to myself, oh, yeah, that was for kids, though. Well, you know, there's an Internet. Why don't you look it up? Because it was like 1999. And I looked it up and sure enough, the largest class in the country was guys my age on the bigger wheeled bikes on the 24-inch cruisers they mm-hmm. And my eyes got big as saucers and I was in. And I mean, I was in whole hog. And I got to know a lot of guys, made a lot of close friends, and I decided I wanted to start a team, a team just for guys over the age of 28. And this became a sponsorship phenomenon within that sport because, you know, kids don't have any money. They have to wait for birthdays and Christmas for parents to buy them stuff. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, our milieu, man, we could just go out and buy whatever parts we want and build $2,000 bikes. So, I mean, <laughs> I was very a very good sales guy and I was very good at, at the unique sales proposition from Ogilvy and I was presenting that. In other words, again, I want to give to your brand. Here's what we're going to do for you. Don't just send me free stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I was telling these, these BMX companies who were, you know, some of them are smaller shops, you know, what I could do for them. And next thing you know, we had more sponsors than anybody in the entire sport. And I was attracting some of the best riders who were like number one in the country to ride for my team. And of course, I rode for my own team. Mm-hmm. And the day we got elevated to factory team in one of the sanctions was the day I fulfilled my bucket list item as a nine-year-old. Yeah, I became a factory BMX racer. And you know what was the most wonderful part about that? I realized that I did it. I was the one who engineered the opportunity. I didn't wait for someone to invite me to be part of their team. I made the team. You know, someone asked me, well, you know, you've got all these self-published books. Well, I also started the publisher. (laughs) (laughs) We now have a publishing company, which is X and Y Communications Media Casting worldwide. And so, you know, we have a podcast network and my books are published by our publisher. So now we're having other people come and want to be published. So, you know, that's one of the things I think is kind of like thinking out of the box is if you want to do something and you want it. And you're, and you're thinking it's dependent on other people. Why don't you just start the company? I think that's what Richard Branson's done. You know, yeah. whatever he wanted to be in, he didn't wait for someone to give him a piece of it. He started it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for me, 
Um, I'll cheat. I'll do it uh, after I met Scott. Uh, I became, you know, I quit my job. I used to do medical sales so that I could raise our children. That made you smile right there. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> it was a nice partnership. Scott and I worked together as a team in XY Communications, and I gave up my job to do that as well as to raise the kids. And in the process, I, I was needing some girlfriends, you know, some some adult conversation. <laughs> so I started a, a group for, for moms, and we did a lot of things for the toddlers, and I would go out and get, you know, the different restaurants and different venues that we would go to and partner with them. I would bring them business because I'd have a list of like 60 to 100 women or families, actually. And uh, we'd make arrangements that I bring in, I bring in the customers and they would help give them discounts so that the, the families who are on a one income family, in some cases, could actually afford to go out and do things with their family. So it was a nice little community thing that I had going on that worked both for the businesses, it worked for the moms, it worked for me because I get the association with them and my children and their children got to have buddies. They grow, they have grown up, it's been seven, eight years now, and my son still has best friends from when he was two years old in that in that relationship. Oh yeah, make no mistake, this was a huge meetup group. I mean, it was massive, I mean, I mean you were being recognized places. Oh yes. Oh my God, you're Emily. Yeah. They still know the group and they're like, oh, you're the one who has that group, yes. Yeah, you were like the queen of stay-at-home moms for the whole city of San Antonio. Exactly. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> you know, uh, that's so cool though, because you know, obviously both those things were things you guys created instead of going, oh, there isn't anything that I'm looking for out there, so I guess I just gotta settle. And instead, you right. went, well, why don't I just go try it, see what happens? And in both cases, had tremendous response, tremendous support for it. And probably people that went up to you going, why doesn't anybody else ever do this? <laughs> well, because everybody's waiting for somebody else to do it. That's why. Bingo. That's it right there. That's the mic drop. I think that's it. That's just a huge message, isn't it? Everybody's waiting for something to come along, even if they really want it very badly. I mean, they're thinking even in terms of their their future goals. Someday I want to work for so-and-so or someday I want to be a part of this instead of just going and making it happen yourself. And fear keeps people from doing things, taking the risk and stepping out and doing that. When I first started that mom's group, well, the first person who joined my group was telling me that she had thought about doing the same thing because we didn't have that in this area of town. And if I wanted to do this, I'd have to drive 45 minutes to get to anything remotely close. And so I said, why not just do it here? She was telling me she had thought about it, but then she was afraid. What if nobody shows up? Mm. And I said, you know, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> <laughs> Just did it. Yeah, because if nobody shows up, you're no worse than you were if you didn't have it. Right. So that's not really a risk. It's the same spot you're in. <laughs> it's kind of funny because we started our podcast for fun. Back mm -hmm. in 2006, Emily and I did a show together that's still up there on iTunes. You can, you can look it up. There hasn't been an episode in years, but called X and Y on the fly because I'd heard about podcasting and it sounded like fun. So we did this show and, you know, I'll never forget when someone told us, you know, congratulations on iTunes. I'm like, what? And of course, we just made them upset because we didn't even know what they were talking about. <laughs> and it turned out we were like the number three show in the world under the health category. and We didn't even realize it. We just knew we were getting emails and, wow, people must be listening. Cause, and, you know, back then I was so naive about this stuff that I didn't realize for every email I'm getting, there's probably a thousand people listening, mm -hmm. you know. And so I was thinking, oh, cool, we have like 30 people listening, you know, this is great. And I looked on iTunes, you know, I got home, I kept my composure and wanted to see if this guy was for real. And I looked up on iTunes and I was like, wow. Because, I mean, 
I didn't even ever look at podcasts on iTunes. I just knew I, I sent a thing out to every podcast directory and iTunes was one of them. So yeah, that's funny because had we wondered, you know, if it had if it had been something that was important to us in terms of like making our business, you know, numbers or getting people to, you know, become our customers, I I mean, I think we probably would have been gripping a little bit more about it. But because it was pure fun, you know, it didn't even cross our minds. And and the funny thing is, Ken, you know, looking back, that was one of the things that really put us on the map as dating coaches was mm -hmm. that show. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point because so oftentimes the the things that seem to like just explode and be this huge success, the person didn't go at it with that intention. They just did it because they wanted to do it. And exactly. there was so much passion and enjoyment with it that it, people are like, wow, that's really cool. And it doesn't matter if you're you know, like coming up with a new type of cookie or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, I just did that because I like the bacon. I like that one. And then everybody said, why not? That's really true. That's an amazingly intuitive point, I think. You know, people love – the world loves someone who's in it for the fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we've gotten to a part of the show now, Scott and Emily, where we're – I call it bring it all home. And this is where we kind of step away from the stories. And I ask you to give some simple concrete guidance to our listeners so they can take it out and apply it directly in their relationship right away. And where I'd love to start – is I'd love to know what each of you feel is like the best partnership or relationship advice that you ever received from someone else. I think for me, the best one that I've ever received from someone else is always, you know, get into a relationship with someone where the two of you can, can look forward to the best and expect the best in each other. Mm -hmm. I think when people are jealous and when they're lacking trust, it's really hard to have a healthy relationship. And that goes for, Dating, marital relationships, business relationships, even your friends, your circle, your social circle. So for me, I think that's it. Nice. How about you, Emily? Well, for me, I think communication. If you are good with talking to people, being honest with them, and carrying on daily with them in a way that you would want them to do with you, you're going to do well in that relationship long term. Because like I said earlier, when you're close to somebody, you will always, someone's going to step on somebody's toes. And therefore, if you have good communication, you're able to talk it through, forgive each other. And I think that's a big key in making relationships work. Well, you know, the whole trust and communication, you can kind of surround with, we get each other, in quotes. Mm. I think a lot of people, they don't understand what's going on in each other's heads. Some, we, we know couples who don't even like each other. It's like, how do these people <laughs> get married? But, you know, if you, like, can look at each other and just kind of telepathically almost get each other, like, you know, you feel like you're two of the same kind, I think that's really going to pretend a good relationship. Yeah, there there definitely is some kind of a, a connection that takes place that causes what you're talking about. I mean, sure, we, we learn each other's preferences and tendencies and those kind of things, but it's that thing where you just both look at each other because somebody said something and you don't have to say a word. You both know what that means. It's funny. We just did that while you were talking. We looked at each other and winked at each other like, yep, we nailed that question. Nice. There you go. Thank you for demonstrating. Yeah, too bad it's not video. Yeah. Right? You can imagine at home. Look at their picture. Imagine them looking at each other with that knowing look. So, <laughs> and you did it again. Okay. We were modeling it. Yes. Now, now we're going to start to know what it sounds like. Yeah, everybody's going to start collectively vomiting on the other end of the podcast now. <laughs> We'll stop. I can't yeah. help it. I know. 
So I'm, I'm wondering if you could recommend a particular book or a resource for our listeners. What would you recommend around partnership and, and why that particular one? You know, I'm going to go off the board a little bit. And I'm going to recommend a biography of a guy who lived over 150 years ago named David Livingston. Um, his name is actually spelled Livingstone. And the great thing about David Livingstone was he was he was – British and he was an explorer and he was also a staunch anti-slavery activist. And what I love about David Livingstone is even before it was cool, back in the 1850s, he was a connector. Like he would go to what's now known as Kenya and tell whatever chief of the tribe he met there that the guys, the, the head of the tribe across the Indian Ocean in India sends his greetings. I don't know how he communicated to him, but that's mm -hmm. part of the, the part of reading the book. And he was incredible at building alliances and partnerships who cultural with people who culturally couldn't have been any different. And then had the carpet rolled out for him, the red carpet rolled out for him. You know, folks were helping him because you know he meant well. And he was trying to stop at that point was an Arabic slave trade and and was you know very easy to befriend people when he was trying to stand up against something that was harming them. And I just love how he was 150, 160 years ago, already very, very familiar with that idea of being a connector, which we know is so wonderful for business relationships nowadays. You know, if you know someone who can benefit from a relationship with someone else, you connect those two people together. Yeah. And nothing propels your social life and your, your personal influence more than that. So I would actually recommend reading biography on on David Livingstone. I know that's going off the board a little bit because that's not, you know, one of your classics like <laughs> your Dale Carnegie or something like that, which is, of course, also wonderful. But I figured I'd, I'd try to reach for something that nobody maybe have heard yet. Yeah, no, that's great. Is, is there a particular uh, biography that you recommend? You know, you kind of put me on the spot and I don't have the exact okay. name of it. But if you put in the name David Livingstone, it'll it'll be it'll be Livingstone, but it's pronounced Livingston as if there were no E on the end. Got it. On on Amazon, you know, take the most popular one. That's the one I read. Okay. There's one that's by far more popular than the oh, other. Gotcha. It's on my Kindle and it's been a couple of years since I read it. No worries. No worries. Yeah. And I do apologize. I know I put you on the spot there. <laughs> no, no, no worries. But it has one of those very easy, simple titles like The Life and Times of David yeah. Livingstone. Yeah. Okay. But he's he's well worth reading. Even if you just go to his Wikipedia entry and oh. read that much about him, you'll be amazed. Oh, good idea. Because, you know, there's, he's also very transparently sometimes cranky and sometimes his actual leadership with his own personal ranks was not as tightened as it could have been. So he was, of course, like most of us, <laughs> an imperfect human being. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at those ideas of how he was a connector and how ahead of, the time, how ahead of his time that was – Instead of just burning villages and moving on, yeah. you know, he was a connector when he didn't have to be. And I thought that was really amazing. Yeah, that's great. How about you, Emily? What would you say? <laughs> I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about the one uh, related to travel. Uh, travel is a... Uh, oh, yeah. Travel as a political act by Rick Steves. Exactly. Oh, and the reason wow. why I was thinking of that, because uh, as he's traveling and visiting these different cultures... And he's looking at it from a perspective different than any other travel that you've ever looked at. Uh, how it can be a political uh, view or outlook, not so much a stand. And he, for example, when he goes to Germany and, you know, you go to these bathhouses 
and they have a different culture. In some of these bathhouses, you you complete some people are completely undressed, and how different people view it. Uh, and it's hilarious because he says it with such uh, with such humor and that it's very entertaining. You know, and of course he's been to Iran and he had nice things to say about the people of Iran, which of course anybody I know who's ever been to Iran said the same thing about. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talked about, you know, going to Nicaragua and the people were wonderful and here's what's really happened as a result of what we hear on the news. And if you look at the reviews on Amazon for this book, you can tell who's the world travelers, who, who are the world travelers wow. in the world because people are excoriating him. <laughs> you know, one star reviews for having the audacity to say some of these things about places that are you know, talked about routinely in the American media, media as being the enemy, as if they, you know the people there are nice. Like, how dare you? And uh, of course, that's that's what that's what makes the book amazing yeah. to people like us. You know. Yeah. No. Those those are two really great recommendations, and I, I love that you went kind of off the page with those because to me, there's so many different perspectives, and when we can take it from a different viewpoint, a lot of times it's it's more digestible because it's not this direct attack on where you're at in your relationship. It's just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that, that connecting thing's pretty cool. I, yeah, I, I think I can do more of that. <laughs> well, I think the Rick Steves one is a really good call. I think that's kind of an under the radar because yeah. it talks about actually building partnerships with real human beings mm. on a personal level, even as you travel without regard so much for what the media has told you to expect when you're on the ground. And I think that says a lot about dealing with things first person rather than taking some third party's, uh, you know, gossip gossip to heart. And that's one of the things I've personally held very closely, especially for the past two or three decades, you know, since I've been an adult. And, you know, a lot of times I think we're quick to believe what people tell us about Mm -hmm. someone else. And I think we should always get to know that person personally, one-on-one, before we take somebody else's gossip for granted. Right. It helps us and teaches us to listen and understand someone else's perspective before we, you know, before we decide what we want to make an opinion of. Mm-hmm. And of course, you can take that with a global scale, on a global scale, yeah. thanks to books like Rick Steves. Yeah. Very, yeah. very good call there, I think. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I, I, I have no doubt that our listeners are sitting here going, can they keep talking? Can they keep talking? And <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you could, but we're going to contain this. And what I would love for you to do is give our listeners a way to, to contact you to learn more about what you do so they can actually continue this conversation on their own with you. Well, if you're interested in having better relationships with your significant other or your soon-to-be significant other, go to www.deservewhatyouwant.com. If you're interested in the world travel and adventure stuff, we have a site called Wing It Worldwide. And uh, Wing It Worldwide is a lot of fun. It's uh, something we're doing for fun because our day job, of course, is dating and relationship coaches. So there you go. You can kind of know what to expect (laughs) from that. Podcasts, uh, the Mountaintop Podcast. Uh, We talked about X and Y on the Fly Podcast. And, of course, Wing It It Worldwide has a podcast. Wing It Worldwide is a fun podcast because they're 10 minutes long. Yeah, we, we enjoy talking about giving little snippets of different places we've been to, kind of highlighting some of the funny stories and experiences that we've had along the way. Things that went well, things that didn't go so good. We had fun. And, of course, one thing we do want to mention, since you said that people like to hear us talk, which we're always glad to hear, we're happy to talk to them, too. And on our websites, on deservewhatyouwant.com, you can click the big red button at the top and talk to us for free. You know, we're happy to talk to you, see where, where you're doing, you know, what you're doing with your dating and relationships right now. 
uh, where you are right now, where you want to be. And if it's a good fit for us to work together, that's fine. If it's not, at least we got to know each other and we got to learn more about where everybody out there is coming from. Excellent. That's free. That's that's fantastic. Thank you for that. Well, Scott, Emily, this has been so much fun. You guys have incredible stories. I love the way you approach the world from varied angles. And I know I've I've been reminded of things I'd lost track of and, and learned new things. So thank you so much for being on the show. It was our pleasure. Oh, we had fun. Thank you. We enjoyed it. Yeah, time flew. Yeah, it really did. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.